You are Locked On Patriots, your daily New England Patriots podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If it's Friday, it's your game day edition of Locked On Patriots. Mark Schofield here with you in the big chair. Apologies again to Chuck Todd, the host of Meet the Press, for kind of borrowing his tagline, shall we say, for his Meet the Press program. At the outset, before we dive in, it's November 10th here in the United States. We are on the cusp of both Veterans Day here in the United States, Remembrance Day for some of the nations in the British, in the old British Empire. Holiday that's used to commemorate those who gave their lives in the line of duty. In the former Commonwealth nations, Veterans Day used to recognize those who have served here in the United States. Often co- both holidays coinciding with Armistice Day, the end of World War I. So to those who have served, to those who are serving, a heartfelt thank you. To those who may have lost loved ones, sincerest, sincerest condolences. And a thank you to your family and those who knew you knew who have served as well. Here's our roadmap for the show today. We're going to dive into this Broncos-Patriots tilt set for Sunday night. I'm going to start with why I think Rob Gronkowski is going to have a massive game. Probably music to many fantasy owners' ears and Patriots fans' ears as well. Then I'm going to talk about the game itself, what I'm looking for, my sort of expectations when both teams have the football. We'll close out with my predictions for Sunday night. And then finally, at the end, a little call to action for the listeners to the Locked On Patriots podcast. I'm going to ask you for a little bit of hope. Hope you guys can come through for me. But let's start with Rob Gronkowski. And here's the thing. Over the years, Gronkowski has traditionally had good games against the Denver Broncos. Now, his first two games against Denver in the National Football League were somewhat quiet. 2011, he faced them in December. He had four receptions on five targets for 53 yards, was held out of the end zone. Year later, the next October, again, four receptions on five targets for just thirty-three, for just 35 yards. So those were his first two games against Denver. But then the numbers start to pick up. Faces them in November of 2013. This was a game where the Patriots were down 24 nothing at one point. They come back to win it in overtime on a Gostowski 31-yard field goal. In that game, Gronkowski. Seven catches on 10 targets, 90 yards and a touchdown. Then the following November, almost a year later, again, 10 targets for nine receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. You know, that was the game where Gronkowski had a tremendous night. They did some things schematically where they split him out. They would come out of the jumbo formation and throw to him after flanking Gronkowski out. He also had that incredible catch, that one-handed catch that was initially ruled down at the one. The Patriots challenged it, and it it stood. But he had that catch right along the goal line where he was sort of reaching back behind his body. Then again, he caught a touchdown on the very next play, a one-yard touchdown. But again, big game from Gronkowski there against the Broncos. 2015, 
in a game at Denver that the Patriots lost. Gronkowski, six catches on 10 targets for 88 yards and a touchdown. Two playoff games as well against the Denver Broncos. The first in 2011. 10 receptions on 12 targets for 145 yards and a touchdown. That game, the Patriots won 45-10, to led by Gronkowski with the three touchdowns, going up against Tim Tebow and the Denver Broncos. And then 2015, the AFC Championship game at Denver. Patriots lose 20-18. to Gronkowski in that game, eight receptions on 15 targets, 144 yards, one touchdown. Two playoff games against Denver, eight touchdowns. I mean, excuse me, four touchdowns. Three in the first game, one in the second. Those have been his numbers traditionally against Denver. You know, Gronk has got off to a pretty good start here as well. You know, at this point in the season, Gronkowski, he's played in all seven games, started all seven, 56 targets, 34 receptions, 509 receiving yards, five touchdowns. So a good start for Gronkowski, who, again, is coming off of injury. So he's starting to, I think, get into, you know, game shape. And if you sort of look at what he's done so far this year, the numbers are starting to pick up. He had two touchdown catches against the Jets a few weeks back. Had a touchdown last week against the Chargers. But those numbers are nice, but I'm more interested in what Denver has done this year against tight ends. Because the Broncos have struggled a bit against tight ends this year. And the numbers bear that out. Week 2 against the Dallas Cowboys. This is a game that Denver won going away. But against tight ends, they gave up 10 receptions on 97 yards and a touchdown. You know, they gave up a touchdown to Evan Ingram and the Giants back in week six. Giants tight ends had six receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. A couple weeks ago against Travis Kelsey, seven receptions, 133 yards and a touchdown. Last week against the Eagles, Eagles were without Zach Ertz, but still Eagles tight ends, five receptions, 80 yards and a touchdown. You know, so that's sort of one way to look at it. You know, another way to look at it, and I've done this before with you guys, is sort of through a fantasy lens. You know, because given the amount of information that's out there from a fantasy perspective, you can get a good sense of how a defense performs against a specific position. And if you look at fantasy points per game, say on FanDuel, Broncos are giving up 14.5 points per game to tight ends. That's third most in the league. Only the Browns and the Giants are worse. The Broncos have given up five touchdowns this year. Five touchdown passes, two tight ends. Only the Giants, Browns, Jets, and Ravens have given up more. And we've also talked about DVOA. Defense adjusted value over average. That's over at Football Outsiders. And this is really interesting. If you look at how they break things down, in terms of just pass defense itself, Denver, fairly middle of the pack pass defense right now. They're ranked 15th in their DVOA. 
But if you start to split it out a bit, you'll see against a team's number one wide receiver, which football outsiders, they admit it's a little subjective how they delineate between number one and number two wide receiver. But against a team's number one wide receiver, they're the third best defense in the league. That's the Aqib Tlaib factor. Against the team's number two wide receiver, they're 18th in the league. So they're more middle of the pack. But still, these are pretty decent numbers. When you get to what they've done against tight ends, they are 25th in the league. And they're giving up 75.8 yards per game to tight ends in the passing game. So when you put all of that together, you know I think Gronkowski is on track to have a big afternoon. His numbers are good. They've traditionally been good against the Broncos. And the Broncos have really struggled defending tight ends. And the tape, the scheme, the stuff like that that we're seeing, it bears it out as well. You go back to that game that Travis Kelsey had. There was a third and seven play. They put him in a stack slot to the left. Run sort of a deep curl route. Stuff that we've seen New England done with do with Gronkowski. A second and ten play, they put him in a wing. They run a little run pass option look with Alex Smith. And they run a simple little bubble screen to Travis Kelsey. But that goes for a big gain. Then a touchdown to Kelsey. They split him out. Why ISO? He runs an out and up. Stuff that the Patriots have done with Rob Gronkowski. Last week, the Eagles. You know, they lose Zach Ertz, their top tight end. He's got a hamstring. He can't go. You know, with Brent Selleck and Trey Burton, those guys had good games too as we went through the numbers, but they use Y-Iso with Burton. He runs a post route for a big gain on a third and nine. They have Selleck in line, a little chip and release to the flat. We're going to talk about chip and release a little bit later, but they do that with him. Goes for a big gain on a first and 10. They split Selleck wide to the right and a Y-Iso where the tight end is alone split to one side of the field and three other receivers to the other side. You know, that's one of those formations where you force the defense to sort of declare their intentions because when you split the tight end wide by himself, defense then has to decide, are we going to use a linebacker? Are we going to keep our cornerback over there? And when they make that decision, you can take advantage of it. Think back to Super Bowl 49, the touchdown from Brady to Gronkowski before the half. That comes on Y-ISO. They got Gronkowski matched up against a linebacker. I believe it was KJ Wright. Runs a vertical route, beats him, touchdown. Because that's what you force a defense to do. Seattle could have left Richard Sherman out there or left a cornerback out there. But in that case, Gronkowski can use his size. You leave a linebacker out there, Gronkowski can use his speed to win in those situations. So both the numbers bear it out, historically, traditionally, as well as this season, and the scheme. Gronkowski is due for a big game against the Denver Broncos. Of course, having said all that, I'm sure he won't have one. But I think he's due for a big game. I think the numbers in the film bear it out. Up next, we're going to get through my Sunday night expectations, what I'm looking for, what I'm going to be watching when both teams have the football Slant is going to be this. The one thing on each in each situation that really concerns me. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Patriots podcast, your game day edition of Locked On Patriots. All 
Okay, let's get into this game a little bit more. When New England has the ball, here's what I'm going to be watching for. I'm going to be watching for Vaughn Miller, and that probably doesn't come as a surprise. But Marcus Cannon did not practice on Wednesday. Seems like he's going to be sidelined. as we head into this game on Sunday night. And if he was active, he would be the guy handling Vaughn Miller. Now, if Cannon can't go, likely Adrian Waddle is the guy that steps in. He's their swing tackle. So if it's Waddle that's in there, and frankly, even if Cannon's active and he comes off the sidelines, he was going to be dealing with an ankle injury. So that they might do this anyway. Is they're going to do some things to get that right tackle help against Vaughn Miller? And it starts with stuff we've talked about before, and that's chip and release. You might see this with Gronkowski, if he's in there, if Dwayne Allen's in there as well. Getting a chip on Vaughn Miller, slowing down him, his initial pass rush. This can come from the running backs as well. You know, we've seen this with Rex Burkhead this year. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Burkhead get a lot of playing time in this game. Because he's also adept at that aspect of playing the position, that chip and release stuff where you, again, just get a little shoulder on that guy, give the tackle some help, and then release into the flat. I'd expect to see a lot of two running back sets in this game, too. It wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Brady back there in the shotgun with, you know, James White to one side, Burkhead to the other side. So they've got a running back on each side of the formation to help, to chip on both edges. I think this is going to be another big quick game, too. I think you're going to see Brady try to get the ball out of his hands quickly, kind of neutralize that pass rush, similar to what we talked about going into the game against the Chargers and what they like to do with their pass rush. You know, I don't think this is going to be a big downfield type passing game. You know, the guys I think who are going to play the biggest roles here are Gronkowski for the reasons we talked about as well, some stuff over the middle, some hot route stuff, some seam route stuff where the ball can get out quickly. The routes don't take a ton of time to develop. I think the running backs are going to see a lot of playing time. I think they're going to see a lot of divide packages where, again, you get those two running backs in the backfield to help protect Brady. I think you're going to see a lot of 20 and 21 personnel. Like I said, those two running backs. Sometimes you might even see two running backs and three receivers. Gronkowski on the sideline. Sometimes you might see a 21 personnel where you have the two running backs, one tight end, and one wide receiver. I mean, excuse me, two wide receivers, but still. I think you're going to see a lot of two-back packages as well. Because they need to make sure that they neutralized and neutralized Vaughn Miller the best they can. Look, Miller's having a great season. Over at Pro Football Focus, again, plug that edge subscription that you can get. Leave a review on iTunes for the Locked on Patriots podcast. Miller's leading all edge defenders with 47 quarterback pressures right now. According to their grading, he is their highest overall edge defender thus far in 2017. He's ranked second against the run, fifth in effectiveness on pass rushing snaps. He's got eight sacks on this season. And 
not all sacks are created equal, but our good friend John Ledyard, who hosts Locked On Steelers, he co-hosts Locked On NFL Draft with, Tre- with Trevor Sikama. John's developed contextualized sacks, sack production where he looks at every single sack and tries to delineate which ones are sort of cleanup sacks or where the quarterback sort of contributed to it or which sacks are actually like high quality. And five of Miller's eight sacks are high quality. So look, this is a good edge defender that you have to be ready for and the Patriots need to have an answer for him. And whether Cannon is in the game or not, I think you're going to see this stuff. I think you're going to see chips. I think you're going to see quick game. I think you're going to see the running backs involved heavily. You know, so that's kind of my approach to that aspect of it. Up next, we're going to take a look at what I'm expecting to see, what I'm watching for when the Broncos have the football. And then we're going to do some predictions. That's next here with Locked On Patriots and me, Mark Schofield. Okay, now let's take a look at Sort of what has me a little worried about when Denver has the ball. And look, you don't have to tell me. You don't need to tell me that they've got a problem with the quarterback position. I've been seeing this and writing about this for a while over at Bleacher Report with the NFL 1000 Project. Simeon, not the answer. Brock Osweiler, doesn't seem like the answer. Is Paxton Lynch the answer? Maybe at some point, he's not going to be. Re- it doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for this game. And Vance Joseph has said, look, we're going with Brock for one more shot. He's earned another opportunity at it. Okay. The passing game in a, in a vacuum from the Denver Broncos, that doesn't worry me. What worries me is a two-pronged approach. Can the Broncos get their ground game going? And if so, that feeds into how they get their passing game going. Broncos have been most effective this year in the passing game when the ground game is going and they can build off their play-action pass and stuff. You know, right now, look, Denver comes into this game 3-5. and five. In their three wins, they've gained 140 yards or more on the ground. Here's what they've done in their five losses. 111 against Buffalo, 46 against the Giants, 69, obligatory, nice, against the Chargers. They did have 177 on the ground against the Chiefs, but they also had five turnovers in that game. And then last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, they only had 35 yards on the ground. You know, so that's job one for this New England defense is stop the run. Because if, look, If the Broncos can get the ground game going, if they can start churning out those chunk plays on the ground, if they can start getting six, seven, eight yards of pop on the ground, now that sets up the stuff they do in the passing game. It sets up, you know, those deep drops with play action. It sets up Osweiler and that boot action stuff that they can do with him. You know, it plays into how Denver can win this game because, you know, then you're talking about grinding the clock. You're talking about keeping the Patriots' offense on the sideline. You're talking about keeping that environment at mile-high field invested in this game, keeping them amped up because you know, look, said it earlier in this week, this is sort of a do-or-die type game for the Denver Broncos. 
you know, they need this win to get off the losing streak. They need this win to somehow get back into the AFC West pitcher. Because otherwise, look, you're talking about a season that might just get away from them. And so the thing that sort of keeps me up at night, keeps me worried about this game, is Denver getting that ground game going, establishing the run, working that outside stretch zone stuff. Because it feeds into everything they want to do offensively. So the Patriots need to stop the run. First, foremost, full stop, period. End of story. If they can't stop the run, this game could get rather interesting. But what's going to happen on Sunday night? My predictions, here we go. Pat's road favorites, seven and a half point favorites, have given seven and a half points on the road, over under 46. Here's the thing. You give Bill Belichick a bye week to get ready, good things happen. Coming off of bye weeks in the Bill Belichick era of the New England Patriots, they are 12 and five. They did lose last year off the bye. A loss to Seattle Seahawks. But usually when you give Belichick that bye week to get ready, he's going to have an answer for what the new opponent is going to be doing. And so when I see that 7.5 number, I'm not scared. That doesn't scare me. I think New England covers this. When I see that over under 46, again, not scared. I think we go over here. And here's why. I don't think they're going to get that ground game going. I think New England's going to do everything they can to stop the run and put this game in Brock Osweiler's hands. And does Brock Osweiler really scare you at this point? No. Not at all. And when the Patriots have the ball, there are opportunities against this Denver Broncos defense. There are opportunities with the tight end. There are opportunities with other wide receivers. Look, Carson wants his first touchdown pass of the game last Sunday. They went after Aqib Tlaib. His defense isn't invincible. The no-fly zone that has people have called Denver's defense in the past. You know, maybe they come out and prove me wrong here, but I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it in the past couple of weeks. They've given up some big numbers to tight ends and to other guys in the passing game. Carson Wentz dropped four TDs on them. Put that all together, I think the Patriots win. I think they cover it, and I think that over under. I think that overheads. Let's close it out, and I, I told you guys at the outset, look, a little call to action, here it is. Again, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell everybody you know to listen, to subscribe, to give the Locked On Patriots podcast a chance. Tell the people on Twitter, tell the people on Facebook. Share the love. Thanksgiving, coming up. You want to avoid a, an awkward family conversation? Talk about the Locked On Patriots podcast at the dinner table. Let your friends and family know. This is a great podcast to listen to. Patriots five days a week. Great guests and more. Also, quick little shout out. If you or somebody you know has a business in the New England and Boston area and you want to tap into a big time Boston area market or even if it's more global, we have listeners all over the world. Brazil, France, United Kingdom, Japan, all over the world. If you want to be a part of this, if you want to be a part of this show, you know, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. You can email me, mark.schofield at gmail.com. I'd love to work with you. Get your product, your business into the hearts and minds of 
the loyal listeners to the Locked On Patriots podcast. So help me help you. Help me help you. Help me spread the love of the Locked On Patriots podcast here. Again, I love doing this show. I love it each and every day. I love the feedback I'm getting on it. I appreciate each and every one of you. So help me help you, my friends. That's been your game day edition of Locked On Patriots. I will be back late, late, late Sunday night after the game with my instant analysis. Hopefully it's another great, good, and bad edition and not a good, bad, and ugly edition. Hopefully the Patriots get back and stay on the win column there. Keep pace with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Until we talk again, everybody, keep it locked right here to me, Mark Schofield, and Locked on Patriots.